Hey there, welcome to another episode of the Thinking Christian Podcast. I am your host, Dane Kramer. I want to welcome you and thank you for joining me today. Thanks for downloading this podcast. If you'd like to know more information about me or this podcast, just go to The Thinking Christian. That's all one word, thethinkingchristian.us. There you'll find my website, you'll find resources, you'll find previously released podcasts, Uh, you can read about me and so on and so forth, blah, 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 you'll find it all there. Um, And if you'd like to leave comments, you are welcome to do that. You can comment about anything you find on there. You can go ahead and register a comment if you'd like to. Um, Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. You can do that from Apple iTunes, on Google Play. You can do it on Android or um, Stitcher. You can uh, can go to my website and just subscribe there, and, and you'll get a notice, an email notice, every time a new podcast is released. You will be the first. You'll beat your friends to listen to me how's that yeah, like that really matters <laughs> all right well uh, today's question I think is an interesting one and one I'm gonna guess that a lot of people haven't thought much about and that is why am I saved have you ever thought about that have you ever thought well, why am I saved you know, I think probably some people might say, well, I am saved because I put my trust and faith in Jesus. And, you know, I, I, I trust him. And because I put my faith in, in Jesus Christ, I am saved. And that's true, but that's not really why. That's more about how I got saved. That's the that's the mechanics of it. You know, through through grace and faith, you've been saved. And that, that that's what puts you there. But the question I have is Why? For what purpose have you and I been saved? And I'm assuming you are saved when I say that sentence. Maybe you're not. Um, Maybe you have not been regenerated by the Spirit of God. Uh, Maybe you are still living in rebellion. I don't know. That's that's, uh, that's something you'd have to decide. You and God would have to look into that. Um, But um, if you are saved, then the question is, for what purpose? Why? Why am I saved? I think probably at first blush, a lot of people would respond with, well, I'm saved because God doesn't want me to go into hell. Uh, God is trying to save me from punishment, and so he saves me from punishment to heaven. And uh, I think a lot of people would answer that. Or they just simply say, hey, God saves me for heaven. I mean, heaven's the ultimate goal. That's where we're going when I die. I'm going to heaven. God saved me so that I can go to heaven. Uh, and I think those answers, though there's some truth in them, I think they kind of fall short in really answering the question, why am I saved? And I think the answer to the question, why I am saved, or at least as I understand it, is an important one and may even begin to change your outlook if you see it differently. Now, I'm going to pull on, uh, there's a, a passage of scripture that jumps in my mind as I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here talking into this microphone, and I'm going to kind of rely on it a little bit, um, because I think it, it points in a way to the direction that I'm going today, and that's in Luke chapter 15. In Luke chapter 15, there are three parables that Jesus tells in what appears to be rapid succession. He tells uh, these three parables. Um, there's the parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost coin, and probably the the most parable, the most the most famous parable, and that is the parable of the lost son, or as it is commonly known, 
the parable of the prodigal son. I'm sure even if you're a non-believer or at least uh, barely acquainted with the scriptures, you've probably heard about the prodigal son. That phrase, the prodigal son, has really kind of, it's part of our language and we use that oftentimes. Well, it comes from Luke 15. And Jesus tells a story in Luke 15, which we call the prodigal son. It is only found in Luke and is only found in 15. Matthew, Mark, and John did not tell the story, only Luke does. Now, the, the three parables that Jesus tells in this chapter are very interesting, and um, they're told, I believe, in response to what happens in the opening verses. Uh, now, in my mind's eye, this whole conversation uh, is taking place, I guess, in a house or something like that. Or at least somewhere where there's a party going on. Um, the very first verse of Luke 15 says, Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him, that's Jesus, to hear him. And the this Pharisees and scribes complained, saying, This man receives sinners and he eats with them. So they're complaining about him eating. And, and in my mind's eye, again, I just kind of see this as taking place in a house, maybe a dinner party. Uh, Jesus probably was invited uh, to dinner parties from time to time. Matter of fact, in a few chapters after this, a very famous dinner party with Jesus and Zacchaeus, uh, a man who was a tax collector. Uh, so I believe that Jesus was probably invited by people to uh, come. He was probably a guest at frequent parties. As a matter of fact, one time he complained that his um, his enemies uh, complained that uh, uh, John the Baptist came neither eating or drinking and they thought well he has a demon and, and Jesus came eating and drinking and, and they thought he was a wine bibber or you know he was a bit of an alcoholic or something like that and I think the reason why they said that is because Jesus actually did that that Jesus uh, did attend parties and he didn't attend functions where he was invited especially in cases like this in any event, okay, so Jesus is probably, again, this is how I pictured. The Bible doesn't say it, so I'm just kind of guessing here. I don't want you to make, I want it to be clear that I'm just guessing. He's probably at a dinner party somewhere, and outside, this is how I see it playing out. On the outside of this building, this house, are the scribes and the Pharisees. They're the religious leaders of the day. Sometimes I like to call them the clergy of the day. They're the ones educated. They're the ones who's, who've been to rabbinic schools and have been trained. And if anyone knows God in Jesus' day, it should have been the Pharisees and the scribes. Now, they're looking, I take it, from the outside in. They're seeing Jesus there with the tax collectors and the sinners, and they're complaining. I see a tax collector in Jesus' day was a a loathful individual, at least in the mind of the Pharisees, he was, um, and he was a bit of a turncoat. I mean, he was a, a, a probably a, a person of Jewish origin who was Jewish, and yet he had. Um, kind of uh, taking employment with the Romans. The Romans were um, exacting taxes from towns and villages and so on, and uh, they um, they actually harnessed the local talent. They hired somebody locally who, who could get the, the taxes from the people who probably knew who was rich and who was not. And um, these tax collectors were taking money from the locals and turning it over to the Romans, which made them, everyone, mad enough. But to boot, they... Um, 
typically got very, very wealthy. And so in the mind of these religious leaders, a tax collector was really the bottom of the barrel. I mean, he was probably worse than a robber, a thief, or even a murderer or a prostitute. Um, and so as, as these religious leaders are looking in, they're seeing Jesus. He's having dinner with these people, these, these sinners. I mean, they would not want to touch them. They wouldn't want to come in contact with them. And here Jesus is, is actually eating with them. You know, he's dipping his, his bread in the same bowl and eating the sop just like they do. I mean, he's getting serious cooties here. I mean, you know, he's coming in contact with these people. And so they're just outraged by this. Uh, no good rabbi would do something like this. And so they're complaining. And so the three parables that Jesus tells in Luke chapter 15, I think really are spoken in response to the attitude of the Pharisees. I mean, they're, they're the ones who instigate this. And so he tells these parables. I think he's telling it to the people around him, but probably an earshot of the people outside. At least that's how I kind of see it. Um, now, the first of those parables is the parable of the lost sheep. Uh, Jesus describes uh, a shepherd who has a hundred sheep, and 99 of them are secure. They're in the pen, they're locked up, they're good, but one has not returned. One is lost, and he says that that, that shepherd will go out. He'll leave the 99 who are secure, they're doing fine. He'll leave them and go find the one that's lost. And when he finds this sheep, he's going to return with it and call all of his friends and, and rejoice and say, hey, you need to you know, celebrate with me. I had a sheep and it was lost and, and now I've found it. Um, and there, uh, matter of fact, Jesus said, he ends this parable by saying, that I say to you, likewise, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who have no need of repentance. So we see by that that Jesus is really not just talking about sheep here. He's talking about repentance. He's talking about salvation. He's talking about you and me. Um, and the point that I think he's making is that that one lost sheep is very valuable to him, and he'll go looking for it. Even though he's got 99 tucked away and they're safe, he is still going to go out and look for that one that's not safe. Now, the, the next parable is, is similar, and, and that one is that uh, a woman, she has 10 coins. And my, my picture here in my mind, and I could be wrong, but this is how I kind of see it, that this woman is probably poor. Uh, she has 10 coins, and she loses one. So she's lost a tenth of her wealth, and, and that's you know significant because she doesn't have a lot. Well, instead of saying, well, hey, I got nine more coins, we'll be fine, you know, she, she doesn't do that. She grabs a broom, she grabs a dustpan, she sweeps the house, she overturns chairs. She goes looking until she finds it. And when she does, she's so happy, she calls her friends and says, hey, uh, man, I just got to tell you, I am so happy. <laughs> I had a coin that was lost, and, and it meant something to me, and I found it. And, and I'm happy, and I'd like you to rejoice with me. Now, those, just those two parables... Um, I, I think they should tell us something about why I'm saved, why any of us are saved. Um, but let's take a look at that last one. And the last parable in Luke 15 is, wow, it's the most brilliant. I mean, uh, of all the stories that Jesus told, I think the, the, the parable of the prodigal son is the most brilliant. It's the most uh, moving uh, parable. Uh, this, uh, Jesus was a great storyteller, and I'm sure you probably heard the story, but a man has two sons. The younger son says one day, hey, I'm leaving home. I'd like my money. I'd like to know what to do to me. The father counts it out. He gives the son the money, and the kid takes off. 
Uh, he goes to a faraway country, and not just you know he's not across the street, across the neighborhood. He leaves and he goes to a, a, a far country, uh, and there he just spends all his wealth, and uh, the bottom falls out of his life. A famine hits, and he realizes his mistake. He realizes what he's done, and in that parable, he comes home, and the father rejoices when he sees his his son coming home. Now, I said that these parables. To me, answer this question: Why am I saved? And and I think it does. Um, in in all three of these parables, um, the point of the story, I believe, is in the where the the central figure. Let's put it this way: the central figure of these three parables. There's something similar. The first one, I think, the central figure in the first parable, the lost sheep, is the shepherd. He's the one who has the sheep. He's the one who goes looking. He's the one who has sheep that are secure. He's the one who calls his friends. Uh, and, and in the second, it's similar. Uh, the central figure, I believe, is uh, the woman who's lost the coin. Um, she's the one who lost it. She's the one who goes finding it. She's the one who calls her friends to rejoice. And thirdly, in the third parable, even though we call it the parable of the prodigal son, in my estimation, the real central figure here, the central figure, is the father. I mean, he's the one I see as just the most important player in all of this. He's the father of the two boys. He's the one who lets his younger son go, even though it's probably not in that son's interest to leave. He's the one who waits for him. He's the one who rushes out and embraces him. He's the one who forgives him. And then he's also the one who goes out to the older son and, and reconciles with him. And that's that's a part of the parable that I didn't talk about. Uh, get a chance, read chapter Luke, Luke chapter 15, just wonderful chapter. So he's the central figure in that one too. Now, how does this answer why I am saved? Well, I think in each of these stories, the lost thing in, in, in the first parable it's the sheep, the second is the coin, and the third is the, 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 the person, the boy. I, I think that would represent you and I. I mean, we are the ones lost to God and, and he finds us. But he finds us and this is the most remarkable point I can make from this, is he finds us because we are his. I mean, the, the shepherd owns the sheep. That sheep belongs to the shepherd. It belongs to no one else but his. Uh, that coin belongs to the woman. It doesn't belong to anyone else. It's hers. They've lost something that belongs to them. And in finding that and restoring that, they're restoring back to them what is rightfully theirs. And in the same um, thing, the third parable, it's also the same thing. The son is, is a son of his father. And the father has lost his son, and he goes. And he, and when his son returns, he he accepts his son, he restores his son, he forgives his son, and because this is his son. In fact, he said uh, the father says of the son that he was dead and he's alive and he's lost and he's found. Uh, he's been restored to him. I think when we are saved, what really happens or why we're saved, is that God has lost something. God has lost us. He, he created the world. He created us. He breathed life into us. But he also gave us, I believe, free will to make our own choices. And those choices often cause us to leave God. But rightfully, we are his. And the reason why he saves us is because he's paid the price for us. And we rightfully belong to him. 
We are his. We're his coin, we're his sheep, we're his lost son. And so salvation, or what salvation actually does, is restores to God what is God's. He gets what he deserves to get. That's us. And I believe that's why I'm saved. I am saved because God rightfully deserves me. He made me. He breathed life into me. He, uh, he provides for me. He does everything like that. And so, therefore, I'm his. And even though we might think, well, I'm saved because I want to go to heaven or I'm saved to go to heaven or I'm saved because I, I don't want to go to hell or something like that, all those things might be true. But what I think is the the truth that overshadows all of them is that God saves us because we are rightfully His. And He's restoring what He has lost. God has lost something. And He's restoring it to Himself throughout our salvation. And this often becomes my message when I go to places like the jail, uh, when I have Bible studies with these inmates. And I'll tell them that God has lost them, and I'm here to help God get what is rightfully His, for God to reclaim what was lost to Him. If you're saved, I believe that you are saved to restore to God what God has lost. You are His. I am His. And He's reclaiming us, and He's reclaiming as much of this world for Him. And that, I believe, is why I am saved. With that, I'm going to close out this podcast. I want to thank you once again for joining me today. And I look forward to you seeing and talking to you the next time on the Thinking Christian Podcast.